What is up, folks? My name is Justin Kana, and we're back here with another cookbook club review. I guess that's what we're calling these kind of videos. This one is actually the first one that I'm making outside of the ones that I've made for Patreon and republishing those, only because I wanna make sure that the way that I'm presenting these is a little bit more elegant so that you guys can enjoy uh, my notes that I took on the cookbooks. Hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight and maybe it encourages you to pick up a copy for yourself. I feel like a lot of Cookbooks are a little bit intimidating. A lot of them have a lot of this information, but no one ever ends up actually reading through them and sharing their thoughts on, on what they thought. A lot of times for these chefs that write these cookbooks, they tend to be kind of like a personal manifesto. A lot of thought goes into it, a lot of work goes into it, but then sometimes we just buy the cookbooks and they just kind of sit there. I know I've certainly been guilty of that. So without further ado, let's get into my notes on Elements of Dessert by Francisco Magoya. So an interesting point with this book that I figured out was that this was made as a reference book while he was at the Culinary Institute of America. So there is a lot of basic stuff here, a lot of culinary school student stuff in here, a lot of explaining vernacular, explaining philosophy, which I really enjoyed because I don't have that pastry chef experience. I am coming from the culinary side, so there's definitely a different mindset that goes along with doing pastry work, and he definitely conveys that in a lot of the quotes that he gives at the start of the book. Quote, nothing is more valuable than experience when it comes to developing desserts. Another one, quote, not everything you make can be new or never seen before. Everything comes from something, and this brings me to the creative process of making desserts, which is really quite simple. All the ideas you have are the results of information you have stored in your brain. Your brain creates a map of these experiences and is constantly working on finding places on this map, creating new roads on it as new will churn out. That is why most of us mortals need a few years before we develop a menu we can call our own." End quote. And that was so impactful for me because it's one of the reasons why I am so fond of advising people to go eat out as much as possible. It's just as valuable as getting experience in the kitchen because much like he says, you're creating new locations on this map and the roads are the, your ideas that kind of like weave the, the, the trail in between all of it. It's just, I've never found a way to articulate it before and he did it just so well in this, in this quote, so I was a big fan of that statement. I wrote down, his ideas are based initially on an aesthetic approach. The next step is translating that image into something appetizing, which I don't always agree with. I'm always usually focused on the flavor first and then the aesthetic comes after, but a lot of times he wants to do a really playful presentation or he gets a mold of something that he wants to create a dessert inside of. And then after that, he has to decide, okay, how am I gonna take this image or this aesthetic and make it taste good? He says, quote, style is something you can truly call your own and is what will distinguish you from other chefs. I personally have an entire video I wanna make on this as like an intermezzo episode called uh, How to Find a Style. I think it's something that I'm currently grappling with and I think could bring a lot of value to people that are uh, at that stage in their career. He says, quote, it is finding the new view, the new method or technique that will be the biggest claim to fame a chef can ever have. And it's certainly true. We've seen it a bunch of times, whether it's uh, Ferran Adria with Spherification or uh, Grant Ackett's with like something like the Anti-Griddle. And I love that he also says the new view in, uh, in addition to all of that, because sometimes it's just looking at something from a different perspective and interpreting it in your own way that will launch you into the quote unquote fame that so many chefs want. Another interesting quote on the creative process that he includes uh, that I wrote down, I said, he never goes four steps away from the original idea before he drops it. He says, quote, when food is too overworked or overthought, it shows. I also wrote down the most important quality to a finished dessert is wholesomeness and I think I'm gonna try to interpret that in my own way where it, it feels cohesive, it feels complete. It doesn't feel like there's anything missing, everything is there. It satisfies in a certain way. I, th I feel like 
Satisf satisfaction and wholesomeness can go hand in hand. A uh, fact that I didn't know, the word dessert comes from desservir, a French term that means to remove that which has been served, aka what is offered to guests after everything else on the table has been cleared. I wrote down, it doesn't matter if you think your flavor combinations are good if your guests or customers don't like them. He says, quote, we make desserts for people to eat and enjoy. Here's another fact, super fine or powdered sugar yields better results in creaming than granulated sugar because the sugar dissolves better and faster into the fat. I didn't know that. I was also under the impression that granulated sugar because it's a little bit coarser helps kind of create larger air pockets in the, in the, in the fat that you're, uh, dissolving the sugar into but I guess if that's what you're doing is dissolving the sugar in and then that's what creates the bubbles it's different I'm not 100% sure I'd have to try this myself I wrote down these principles are so crazy to read about now when I've done so many of them where you get to that point where you know how to do things just because you know that it's gonna work and then you kind of read about the science behind it or the reasoning why it, it works the way that it does. I think that's so crazy. He suggests to make your custards coagulate faster by warming the eggs themselves to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 21 degrees Celsius. I didn't know that. He gives a technique for fast AF pastry cream. It is to put your milk and sugar in a pot and bring it to a rolling boil for 10 seconds. And then in another bowl, make a slurry with cold milk and your cornstarch whisk in the egg yolks to that bowl, and then in one fast motion, add the hot milk to the yolks and starch mixture. You whisk it really, really vigorously, and it's done. He does, I think, suggest that you'd have two people do this process, but that prevents you from having to bring it back to the pot and slowly bring it back up. I see this potentially working if you have two people that actually know what they're doing, but I feel like you have to mess it up a few times to make sure that you get it right. Sugar for Italian meringue should be cooked to 240 to 250 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just for my own reference. I also wrote down that he recommends making J motions when folding foams into mixtures. J. Da -da -da -da. Another tip that I don't really normally use that often, but I feel like it could be something that I could remember next time I get in that situation is to always fold the lightest foam into the heavier foam. Something that I probably knew, but I probably just forgot was that a souffle should technically contain no starch. It should just be the uh, yolks and the sugar and whatever flavor you have and the whites, I mean, not the, not the yolks, the whites. If you're interested in getting into hydrocolloids, this book is really, really good. It has all the explanations of things like agar agar and gel and gum and xanthan gum and iota carrageenan and all of these things that we're used to seeing, but we don't exactly know either where they came from, their use cases, uh, and suggested percentages. That's all included in this book. So if you're into that, it's really, really helpful. There's actually a primer in this book that shows you how to make your own chocolate. I thought that was really interesting. He suggests to add the liquid to the chocolate in a ganache in three increments to yield a better emulsion. I absolutely need to try this. I am a big fan of using ganache. I think it's just really luxurious, but I've never really had a problem with ganache being a poor emulsion, but I need, like I said, I need to try it. He's got a bunch of recipes in here for granites and sorbets and egg-free ice creams and classic ice creams as well. Those are all included in this. Um, again, I wish I could share those recipes with you, but I don't wanna get any copyright uh, ticks on this video. I am definitely still planning on giving this cookbook away. Details on that later in the video, but I'm planning on taking a bunch of photos for my own use, uploading those into my Google Drive where I will have my recipes ready. There's also another section to this book called the Components of Pastry section, and it is fascinating. So basically it's like an idea board with all of these different techniques. So you can kind of like look at uh, cold and then it will have like granite, sorbet. You can go down the entire list. What do you want to do when you're coming up with a dessert? And this is kind of like a big idea board and you can bounce your uh, ideas off of this board. He gives his own tips on tasting food and 
and they are awesome. So I'm gonna read some of them. You put all of the components of the dish into your mouth. You make sure it's the right temperature. So if it's frozen stuff, make sure that it's not too cold so you can actually taste things. He says, chew with your mouth open to oxygenate your food. You move the food around your mouth with your tongue to perceive temperature, texture, and saliva interaction. He goes ahead and breaks down textures into desirable ones and undesirable ones. Desirable ones include crunchy, chewy, crispy, creamy, smooth, juicy, and spongy with bread. And then on the undesirable side, he says watery, soggy, lumpy, grainy, sticky, slimy, tough, greasy, icy, and hard are all undesirable textures in food. He keeps coming at it with the charts. The flavor compatibility charts are also super valuable. It's much like the kind of culinary artistry or the flavor Bible, but it's catered toward desserts, right? So it's a great starting point. There's a lot of interesting combinations that he talks about, but for example, there's a lot of stuff that I found that was lacking in this section. I feel like uh, books like the culinary artistry or the flavor Bible are a little bit more uh, detailed. His charts are definitely a good starting point, but again, for like kefir lime leaves, for example, he only has ginger, cream, lemongrass, and basil as flavors that would match with kefir lime leaves. But I would put like kefir lime leaves with strawberry, and that sounds hella good. Or like, what about mango? Like, why doesn't that go together? At the end of that list, towards the end of the alphabet, it says vanilla is said to be usable in practically everything because using vanilla is almost like using sugar or salt. It rounds out all other flavors and is a great flavor enhancer for them. It's always present, but never too loud and never in the way. And I thought that was really interesting because I always found myself questioning why all these recipes that I, like my mom would make growing up had vanilla in them, but now it kind of makes sense. I kind of started to notice it as I would progress in the industry, but if you ever needed an explainer why, this is why. He also breaks down principles in dessert composition. He says, bells and whistles are just that. They are not necessary. Keep it simple, but not too simple. Less is more and more is just more. What is your vision and what do you want the guest to take away? Use three frontal flavors maximum. Use two textures at least, unless it's a unitextured dish like a souffle. He says, incorporate different temperatures. Tempered food has the most pronounced flavor. He says, rain in the sugar, make sure it doesn't get too sweet. Use what's in season, keep it small. Make sure your desserts make sense with your environment, your chef and your style. All really, really good points. And again, this is why I think it's such a valuable book for kids in the culinary, in culinary school because it's easy to get kind of like taken away with things. And I'm not saying that this is the be all end all of pastry books, but I think it's very important to keep this stuff in mind. You have to learn the rules and then you have to break the rules and figure out why the rules are actually the rules. He does a hugely valuable rant on the principles of menu composition and item enunciation for pastry chefs going into things like cost and menu consultant quadrants and stuff like that. If you're familiar with those, etc., it's really, really valuable. Uh, if you're interested in opening a pastry shop or you wanna get into being a pastry chef at a restaurant, I think it's really, really good advice. The dude's bread is insane. He has a recipe where he does a truffle steamed bun in a plastic bag and it's just so fancy, it's so fancy. In regards to pre-desserts, he says, the temperature should be different from the dessert course and plating should be uncomplicated. It shouldn't take too long to kind of send out the pre-dessert. And it also, if you have an ice cream or a granita on your dessert, make sure that your pre-dessert is not also frozen or really, really cold. Does that make sense? I wrote down every component in his desserts is done with intention to either highlight a flavor, to play off of a component or achieve balance. An interesting set that I wrote down of his was 
watermelon, sweet lime jelly, black sea salt, lime zest, and olive oil. I think that sounds really refreshing and delicious. He also covers plating sequence. If you've ever wanted to know kind of like how to plate things in order of like all the photos you've seen on Instagram, he covers it. He talks about like, when should you put the puree down? When you put the crumble down? When do you quenelle the ice cream? All of that is covered. I also wrote down Magoya loves playful and elegant molds. I talked about that's in the beginning of this video, but it's just like modern art. He just loves like pop art, modern art, clean lines, making things that look like one thing, but they're actually another thing. Not in like a gimmicky way, but just to like make you think like, oh, I've never seen food presented like that before. A technique that I saw that I really was impressed by was taking a syringe of colorful juices and then sticking them halfway into a clear gelée. Uh, and then squeezing as you pull out, and then those little holes that you make uh, get filled with colorful juice in a clear gelée. So it makes like streaks in the jelly. I thought that was fascinating. I've never seen that before. Something that Christina Tosi also did in the milk bar book we covered, he makes baguette ice cream. So I thought that was interesting. I wrote down that texture is really important to how he plates his desserts. That's usually to like preserve a certain texture, whether it's crispy and you're serving it with something that's like juicy, you wanna make sure it doesn't get soggy. But all of that is kept in mind when he's doing his plating. A really interesting dish I wrote down was white miso pot de creme. I love incorporating salt into desserts. It uh, just makes things tastier. Another interesting point, he doesn't advocate for dessert wine with desserts. He thinks they're too sweet sometimes, too alcoholic, and they distract from the actual flavor that he's trying to go for with the desserts. <laughs> I wrote down the past desserts section is dope. It, I was just so impressed by some of the plating that he does, and this book is from a long time ago, so it still holds true and is still impressive. Potato starch crisps with peppermint, strawberry, peach, coconut, and lemon. They're like all different colors, but uh, they're all very pronounced in flavor. The potato starch is just used to make sure that they dehydrate and that they're crispy. I also wrote down black olive raisins. So he blanches them, dehydrates these black olives for 12 hours, then he cooks the, them in a sugar syrup until they're caramelized. I've never seen that before. It was a really cool presentation, and I think that briny, salty nature plus with the sugar on it would be really like, people wouldn't really know what to expect. Uh, I can't say that it would be delicious or not, but again, it's something that I wanna try. He gives a really articulated breakdown of petit fours versus mignardis. He says, a petit four can be one of the tiny sweets at the end of the meal eaten with one hand, served with coffee, tea, or liqueur. Mignardise is multiple mixed trays of different types of petit fours. So petit four actually means small oven, when back in the 18th century, Marie Antoine Carême baked these tiny little cakes in the ovens after the coal from the big cakes was cooling down. The cost of coal was apparently so high that he didn't want to waste any of the precious heat. The OG petit four is frangipan, apricot jam, more frangipan, raspberry jam and marzipan. It's then compressed, frozen, and then cut into shapes and then coated with fondant and decorated with chocolate design. Whoa. He's a really big fan of using unexpected colors with flavors. Uh, he has a dessert chocolate called popcorn, but it's silver, right? Like I wouldn't expect uh, to see popcorn with silver, but maybe you do expect that if you're thinking about like the old school uh, popcorn poppers that are made out of like aluminum. I just feel like all of his stuff is really thoughtful and he thinks about like what the uh, diner is expecting and then how he can kind of play with that expectation in his desserts while still making sure that it's delicious and technically sound. So again, I am actually taking a bunch of these recipes and documenting them because some of them are so good and they're such good bases. I really recommend writing down pastry recipes because a lot of this stuff is so scientific 
and I wanna make sure that I have that starting point and then I can kind of tweak the flavors as I wish. But as with most of these videos, I'm super happy to share a lot of my bigger takeaways and some of the quotes that I enjoyed from these books and hopefully it either gave you a takeaway or two, you learned something from this video, or maybe you liked it so much that you're interested in purchasing this book for yourself to learn a little bit more. If you do end up purchasing something that is an affiliate link and that does help me to create more videos like this, so I really, really appreciate it. But most importantly, I am finished with this book. I have everything that I need from it. I got all the knowledge that I wanted from it, and now I wanna give it away to one of you folks. This giveaway is gonna be a little bit different. I would love, of course, if you were to like, be subscribed, and comment on this uh, video, but if you want to enter to win this book, you need to go to just justincana.com slash newsletter and sign up for my newsletter. I'm gonna randomly pick one person that signed up to that newsletter. I only send it out twice a month and it's full of just great stuff that I recommend or have found, like plating ideas or dishes that I've been inspired by, articles that I'm covering on the podcast and so much more. I don't really want it to be spammy, I just want it to be filled with great stuff for you folks. So if you want to be entered to win this cookbook, go ahead and head over to justincana.com slash newsletter that's linked up in the description. Pop in your email, I would love to send you valuable stuff to your inbox every other week. So after a couple weeks of this video being live, I will go ahead and check that email list, randomly pick one person and I'll send you an email and we'll get this book shipped out to you. Hope you enjoyed this review. My name's Justin Kana. Have a good one.